It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Out of Spec podcast. I'm Francie, and we have Jordan here joining us today. And we're hey, going Francie. to... How's it going? Hey, how's it going? Good. <laughs> Great. Good to see you. Hope Colorado's doing well over there. It's always good, but you know what could make it better? More NACS. Continue. <laughs> well, you know, you're really lucky, Jordan, because that's exactly what I want to talk to you about today. Specifically, um, Jaguar's announcement uh, on September 21st, which is when we're recording this, um, that they've signed an agreement with Tesla to provide access to more than 12,000 superchargers for its current and future customers using the North American charging standard connector. Um, you know, we've, we've heard about how Jaguar is going to phase out the I-PACE and introduce a whole new line of EVs. Um, they are committed to their net zero carbon emissions by 2039, and they're going to be the pure full electric brand um, from 2025 on. So I don't know, are you surprised at all by this announcement? Uh, no, I feel like the, the bets now are not who will accept NACS, it's when and in which order will they fall in line. Um, so <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see the actual fallout actually fall in of NACS across the board because it all started with you know well Ford was the the big news and then it trickled down to GM and you know now um, Jaguar which in theory would mean JLR the whole Jaguar Jaguar Land Rover kind of entity um, and the big keyword is future models because the I-PACE is as everything compares to being like old um me and kyle were at the factory in austria last year seeing i-paces being made and it was like wow this is cool um but when is it gonna like change i mean they have they've had incremental updates throughout the years but uh it's like will they still be selling the i-pace when 2025 comes around so i think that big keyword was future products which i'm intrigued by because i've loved jlr things and land rovers you know kyle's own 
owns two and they're both always broken uh, because of drivetrain combustion engine things. So hooray right. for electric JLR products. When you were over there in Austria, which is also really cool, um, did you get any insight into what will come after the iPACE? No, and they didn't even let us film the iPACE. I was like, why won't you let us film this factory? This is old news. But I guess they could have had like little things here and there that maybe we didn't even notice that they wouldn't right. want to risk being caught on camera. They're very Magna's pretty protective about certain things in certain places. Um, but I, I would be super intrigued to see what's next. Um, actually, the iPACE was like the first press car I ever encountered in 2018, I think. Um, my friend Forrest, really? who we've had on this show before, had one as a press car. And it was like, wow, this is uh, cool. Because it was like, you know, back in its day, one of the only Tesla alternatives. So it's cool to see them jumping on board with, with Tesla. Um, but like you said, 2025 is this big number that every single brand is mentioning and not even car brands, you know, uh, Electrify America and all the charging networks, ChargePoint, they've all said 2025 is when we'll start seeing things. So I think we're about to look into this 2024 ramp up. Um, so I'm curious to see what happens in the next year-ish because we're about a year from 2025 model year vehicles being unleashed. So mm -hmm. I, I'm curious, we'll just keep covering this, I guess, for the next year because who knows who else is going to join really it's the bigger news almost at this point is who is not joining and why the heck not. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be, and it will be interesting to see like, who's, who's the last comers. Um, I mean, and if there is any reasoning that comes with that, because it just seems like that's the way the technology is going. It is the smart move. It's also the popular move. So yeah, yeah. To, to, to come along later to, I mean, do you really think someone or any of the automakers would never switch over to Nax at this rate? I don't know. Um, I mean, we've been surprised by the holdout of Nissan keeping Chatamo and the Mitsubishi Highlander plug-in hybrid, but who talks mm -hmm. about that? Um, so that that brings up a point. I, I wonder who will actually not accept NACS. What's the deal? What's the holdout? Are they like anti-Elon or anti-Tesla or... I don't really know. I'm not like blatantly pro Tesla, although I did wear my like Tesla, one of my Tesla shirts for this podcast. Um, <laughs> but, but I, I think one of the big reasons I suggested Tesla to so many people was the charging experience. Just the infrastructure is a huge component of that, but so is the physical connector. And I've had enough experiences seeing and even interacting with, you know, uh, CCS connectors where this is like this is so bulky and obnoxious and doesn't work half the time uh, so it's, it is fascinating to see that EA is like jumping on board and uh, what Volkswagen's not confirmed but they're talking in talks with Tesla as Reuters has said um, maybe that's where EA is too I can't remember who was like it's like everyone's either on board or talking about being on board. Everyone's in discussions with Tesla. So it's really like, what's what's the money? What, what, what does it come down to? What's driving the decision? What's the holdout factor? And I, I hope they all just jump on board because CCS needs to die. And then will it die? I mean, will it become like Chatamo where we're all like, oh, what in the world? Why does this car have CCS on it? Or, or how will that work? I totally get that. I... I feel like with Nissan, it does have a bit to do, you know, they did um, partner with uh, EVgo to build out a lot of specifically Chatamo chargers for 
those specific cars so they're you know dedicated to making sure that those drivers who were early adopters have what they need but it is it's an evolution we're watching it live so to your point of covering it over the next year it will be interesting to track you know these announcements come out with these certain dates and will will they be hit what will be the reason if they're not um and and more and and uh JLR did say by the end of the decade, every model will be available with the full battery power and they'll have six pure electric models across Range Rover, Discovery, and Defender brands by 2026, starting with the all-electric Range Rover in 2024. I don't know if that's been updated, but yeah, we have things to look out for. (laughs) I can't wait. I love their products and I, I would own, you know, an early 2000s Land Rover if if, uh, if I wasn't so scared of the gremlins underneath the hood. Um, so <laughs> I, I'm intrigued. I can't wait to see this unfold. And yeah, you know, for the holdouts, it really does come down to why. Is it is it political or some weird, I don't know, or some other mm-hmm. agreement? Like this whole like Nissan EVgo thing is like, oh, that didn't age well necessarily because now Chatham is dying. And then on top of Chatham dying, maybe CCS is dying. So what other agreements just went into place um, as far as installing in like, like I, f- I feel for the brands who are ramping up CCS hardware right now. I don't know if it's as easy as, you know, swapping out a cable, whereas it, it, it makes more sense to design it from the ground up. I know actually the first company to adopt uh, NACS before Ford was ABB um, who makes chargers. And so not everyone even knows ABB exists because they make a lot of the hardware that the famous charging companies use. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that was a key component saying, oh, uh, if it's designed up from the ground up with NACS in mind, then it's like a no-brainer at that point. But I feel for the people who have jumped into, I don't know, five, ten-year agreements. I don't know what those agreements right. look like if it really is that far future-looking. But people who have just spent a lot of money installing CCS hardware, what happens to that? And maybe that's right. something we need to look into. And how the technology is just advancing faster than maybe that, you know, infrastructure can be put in or, yeah, the length of the contract. It's I mean, it's a fast it's fast and slow moving at the same time. Uh, But I would love to be a fly on the wall in all of these conversations to see. You're right. Like, what are the major factors? What is going into these this decision making? And in terms of the technology on the network side of thing, I think this is an interesting topic when we talk about next, because if you don't really know about the you know the hardware and software in the chargers and in the charging networks then it you might think why don't you just put another a different connector on just the nas nax connector but there's a lot more that goes on between um the car and the connector and the charger and they all talk and so there's as many of our viewers know but perhaps if some don't you know it is it is really Uh, obviously technical, but also complicated, especially like you said, if you're not building it from the ground up, then I'm sure these companies are having to think, is it, you know, retrofitting? Is it just completely pivoting to now everything we're putting in is going to be different? And then we figure out what to do with the uh, older models of the charging. You know, it's, it's such an interesting challenge to, that's why I love being like, just in this industry at all is because technology is always changing and there are challenges and it's evolving and sometimes it takes uh, predictable twists and turns and then sometimes they you know you could have seen them coming but you didn't know how how quickly they were going to come and i feel like a lot of uh i mean the charging networks weren't totally 
confident when automakers would make this switch, but Tesla is obviously a, you know, amazing example of how to build out the infrastructure for charging and, and the cars. And they're doing a great job of building these partnerships with automakers and probably making, uh, well, I don't know, good agreements. I mean, what do you think? Do you think, how do you think Tesla is going about, do you think they're approaching the automakers? Is it a two-way street? I think, I don't actually know how it started, whether they approached, who approached who. I just hope that it's a mutually beneficial agreement that goes beyond the actual charging infrastructure. Like you said, Tesla, that's one thing that sets Tesla apart is they are like a charging infrastructure company. They're a software company. It's like they're those two things even more than a car company, which is great. I think that proves that those components are really important. I don't know how many times I've been in cars that were otherwise brilliant until you interact with the software and then you're like, what is this 10 years ago? Um, whereas Tesla, the software has always been bleeding edge, leading edge, and other companies have tried to adapt it in some ways. Um, you know, Rivian has copied a lot of things from Tesla, not as a bad thing, but like imitation is the greatest form of flattery, right? So mm -hmm. I, I think, I hope all these companies are learning from Tesla in terms of how to build charging networks. Obviously the fact that everyone wants NACS Nax all the things. That's a new hashtag that I just want to like take off. Um, but I hope it goes both ways because I hope Tesla can glean things from GM and Ford, you know, how to build a car better. Um, of course, they've discovered their own ways through tents and very strange macabre mess, uh, methods, but I hope that they can glean things from these manufacturers. Obviously, the agreement explicitly is about NACS, but... Uh, what else is going to come of these conversations? Because if the conversation starts here, this is the end towards Tesla and GM, for example, working together, or Jaguar in this case. Uh, what can Jaguar now teach Tesla beyond charging? I'm That's curious. a great point. It's not, it's not like the main part of this story, but like that could be a fallout. And I'm just fascinated, yeah. like you said, to be in this industry and watch it be the fly on the wall. There's so much potential everywhere you look, and I'm interested if our audience sees any specific strengths between the automakers that they could share with Tesla and back and forth. Um, and what about Jaguar, Land Rover specifically? And um, yeah, I mean, it to again, it makes sense that Jaguar moved into this agreement as, as like, I know that they really did their research as well in terms of the North American charging network, because, you know, they're over in the UK and it's it's different over there as Kyle has reported on a bunch in Europe it's it's a whole different land but the strategy to deliver a global EV ecosystem supporting the Jaguar's transformation to an all electric modern luxury brand it it goes along with the Tesla experience as well that it's all built in um, included in the package like not only is it a great car but you have all the infrastructure to back you up so um, just as a little summary of the other automakers, uh, aside from Tesla and Jaguar, obviously, but like you said, Ford, GM, Rivian, Volvo, Polestar, Mercedes-Benz, Nissan, and Honda have announced that they have plans, although they might differ automaker to automaker, but to uh, integrate NAX, um, whether, uh, did I miss any? Did I miss any, Jordan? Um, no, that that's you're you're right. And then other ones which are quote unquote reportedly in talks, which is usually a valid rumor, um, would include Hyundai, Stellantis, and Volkswagen. All of those are very interesting because Hyundai is 
inclusive of EV6 and like Kia and Genesis, um, the three like three of the best charging brands out there, all with 800 volt architecture. Stellantis is just massive, so that would be a big deal, and that's almost like the last part of that huge uh, triangle GM Ford Stellantis thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then Volkswagen, which is fascinating because Volkswagen. Uh, like we, we were wondering who would fall first Volkswagen or EA because they are kind of the same in some ways with in terms of how EA came about um, right. And so the fact that EA has said yes, we're gonna adopt NACS in 2025 I'm sure Volkswagen will now have to follow suit. Uh, I don't see why they wouldn't that's the thing I don't see why anyone wouldn't do this. Of course, it's a bit of a headache to uh, you know adapt the technology into your existing infrastructure if you didn't design it with that in place in mind but um, I, I wonder how it unfolds, and something to keep in mind as we cover this over the next year is what are the hiccups that happen, um, which some of them might be under the surface where we have to go digging, talk to people in the actual companies to figure out you know what's going on, what are your challenges, um, not because they're, I'm sure a lot of these companies are afraid to say their challenges, but no, we actually want to know like what's your challenge and how are you going to overcome it, or how right. did you overcome it? I think that's an important story. And part of this thing of adopting everything by 2025, but a lot of these manufacturers have said, we are going to start in 2024 by the use of adapters. So I'm wondering which adapters are going to work, which ones might have issues. I mean, it is like different technologies interlacing with each other, which in theory just works. But as we know, in the realm of technology, you can't just always throw adapters at problems and fix it. A lot of times it can work, but this is like... Tesla infrastructure, Tesla vehicle, it just works. Mm -hmm. um, we've seen people like you know Mercedes and Rivian and a lot of others doing plug and charge capabilities. Um, so I, I know a lot of companies are already in that realm and have worked with those standards. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping this really brings about this magical standard of everyone has the exact same plug and charge experience. You just plug in and go. We're, I mean, even <laughs> tomorrow the iPhones come out with USB-C. And so it's, I'm just hoping everything is becoming more simplified as we're moving down this uh, new technology pipeline. It's the only way to go. Simplification, streamline, uh, you know, the best, most effective technology is the only way that we're going to get, you know, massive uptake in EVs on the road. Uh, and it's not, it's, you know, sounds, sounds easy maybe, but obviously it's not. Um, and I also wanted to speak to, um, you know, as we I, we mentioned, Jaguar is phasing out the I-PACE and they're going to have new models. You know, they're they're just starting fresh. They're calling it a renaissance uh, there. It's going to be interesting and really exciting with what they come out with. Uh, but what if you have an I-PACE and then everything turns next? So jaguar will be getting adapters to ipace owners uh we're not exactly sure how they'll be distributing uh these yet which is interesting you know how do automakers make sure that folks are able to uh, really take advantage of this access to the tesla network if they have a ccs uh car ev um, but the new models will have the native native NACs for jaguar um, and so jaguar specifically said they will support the supply of these adapters to ipace drivers once available and these will be made by tesla right and they'll it's so it's it should it should be a seamless experience once they're made and then once the driver has them but then of course we'll have to see 
Yeah. And Jaguar is a, it's a premium brand and uh, the, the cars they are developing. So we know the I-Pace is going to be phased out by about 2025. So that date is kind of key here. And Jaguar is working on three new cars, which I believe is a, a sedan, a luxury SUV, kind of like a Bentley Bentega, and um, uh, a four-door like Grand Tourer. So they're all going to be typical EV stuff, you know, all-wheel drive and I'm wondering how they're going to differentiate those in terms of driving feel, because Jaguar has also been famous for like, oh, we want to like be enthusiast minded. Um, so I, I hope they do bring it down to a future like the um, oh, what is it? The F-Type, you know, the, the sports car. Like I'm a small, lightweight, fun car person, um, and I'm still keenly waiting for EVs to be adopted in that space. I know we're waiting for the technology to get better, battery density is better, um, because weight is the biggest issue with small cars. Um, but with those three Jaguars coming to, I don't know, the time frame, and then also, like we said, the Land Rover component, which I think they have a new like House of Brands thing, so it's not actually going to be Jaguar and Land Rover, it's going to be Jaguar, uh, Defender, Discovery, and Range Rover, and those last three will all be under Land Rover dealerships anyways that's kind of confusing but this whole like house of brands thing um okay. it's going to be a lot of fun exciting ev models and eventually death to the combustion engine which was never their strong suit anyways i mean they had interesting engines fortunately but uh those also tended to be their achilles heel so let's get rid of that achilles heel and just go electrified and hey they'll be on nacs great there's the news jaguar is running with the pure electric vehicles and it's i think it's going to be great um and overall from this i'm taking it's that it's really interesting to see uh how a brand or a, you know a, a house of brands will take it and pivot to pure electric and then watch that unfold um that the conversation around nax is not an if but it's a when and a how and uh, the thing i'm you know going to keep thinking about is uh just how the technology is ever changing. Um, the news is always incoming and that while, you know, the charging networks are the, the most probably frustrating aspect of this, there is so much potential for collaboration, information sharing, partnerships that um, can really help not only catalyze this transition, but make it, I mean, there's gonna be hiccups of course, but maybe just a little bit smaller than they yeah. could be. Well, we're figuring it out. I mean, if you just look at the state of electrification now versus 10 years ago when it was just LEAF and Model S, I mean, it's night and day better. And it is. so where can we be in the next 10 years or especially by this 2030 timeframe that everyone's throwing out? Um, hashtag NACS all the things is a great start to this glorious future. So we'll see what happens next. Well, thanks for joining me today, Jordan. I uh, sure hope to time. see you on the podcast soon. And thank you all for tuning in. Of course, uh, tweet us at the Out of Spec podcast or Out of Spec pod or me at hey underscore Francie on X or Twitter. And um, keep tuning in. Keep the conversation going. Great having you here. Thanks, y'all. Cheers. Hi. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.